Welcome to Leadership and Life with Sandy Giroux. When you think about today's great leaders, do you ever wonder what makes them so great? Is it just the titles they hold? Or could it also be how they behave toward their people? They lead effectively, not because they have a job in their life, but because they bring life to the job. By following their examples, you can do the same. Now, here's your host, Sandy Giroux. Welcome to Leadership and Life. I'm your host, Sandy Giroux, and I am thrilled to have you with me on this journey. Leadership is one of the most fascinating and impactful topics I know, because everything that ever gets done, gets done because of, and sometimes in spite of, leadership. Great leaders have the power to move entire organizations to success by inspiring their teams to take positive action to make a difference in their workplaces and even in their personal lives. But in order to do so, the leader has to engage their people and inspire them to actually do what needs to be done. And think about this. If you think about the leaders, the people who inspire you the most, It isn't just because they set a career or a workplace goal for you, although that's definitely important. But no, the ones who inspire us the most are the ones who also touch us on a deeply personal level. They take a personal interest in our success. They get right in the trenches with us as we strive for a goal or try to overcome an obstacle in our path. And they stand behind us, cheering us on as we make our way toward our own success, often taking just as much joy and satisfaction in our success as they do in their own. That is a true leader. And that's why I created my brand, Wow Place International, where my goal is to help you turn your workplace into a wow place through higher levels of leadership and engagement of everyone around you. But that's also why I created this show, to take the complicated mystique out of leadership and bring out and highlight the everyday actions that will help us connect with our teams and help us develop stronger relationships, making our workplaces better and better during the inordinate amount of time we often spend, you know, that 30, 40, 50, 60 or more hours every week that we spend there. Too many experts overcomplicate everything, including leadership. And while leadership is not easy, it is actually pretty simple. In fact, I read a tremendous quote one time by John Quincy Adams, our sixth U.S. president, and it goes like this. If your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you are a leader. Well, that says it all, doesn't it? And there are two really important points in there to remember. First, you don't have to have a title to lead. So this show is just not for anybody with a title. It's for anyone who has the capacity and opportunity to, opportunity to inspire others to reach higher heights. And second, Leadership is not about managing or bullying or forcing our will onto others. It's about inspiring them to do more and sometimes to do even just the basics that we need them to do in order to get the job done. So it's not about what we're able to force them to do with our titles. 
It's all about what we're willing to do to inspire them with our attitudes, our behaviors, and our caring for them. The problem is that we all have blind spots when it comes to our own attitudes and behaviors, don't we? So what's a blind spot? Well, John Maxwell describes a blind spot as an area in the lives of people in which they continually do not see themselves or their situation realistically. (laughs) And this happens more often than we ourselves care to admit. That's why continuing to seek out new ideas and more and better education and new opportunities to grow is so important because it helps us see ourselves and others more clearly, learn different ways to behave and react in certain situations, and just get diverse perspectives on our own situation and our own importance in the world. So that's what I hope to accomplish on this show. Each week, I'll be sharing proven and effective leadership principles, mindsets, and habits within the framework of a system that I've developed called the Wow Place Rules. It actually offers you a structure to follow so you can recognize and overcome your blind spots and create the kind of culture where people want to engage and contribute. And from time to time, I'll also have guests on my show who will share their stories and offer tips that work for them. I'll also take callers whenever my show is live, today included. So if you'd like to pop in to say hi and contribute to the conversation, please feel free. I'd love to hear from you what works for you or what's challenging you. And maybe we can talk through a couple of suggestions to help you overcome whatever obstacles you may be encountering at the time. And there'll be a fun surprise segment as well during the last 10 minutes of each show where the life part comes in as it pertains to the show's name, Leadership and Life. But you'll have to wait until the end of the show today to find out what it is. But in the meantime, let me tell you a little bit about myself and why I'm here doing this show. I spent the first 20 years of my career in the corporate environment where I rose through the ranks and eventually led corporate teams. I led customer teams. I even helped a startup get its customer-facing projects under them with systems that were still in use 20 years later. So we did a great job with that. And since then, I've started and run several businesses of my own, including my current speaking, training, and consulting business. And I've also led and served on the boards of several charitable organizations in my community. And through it all, I've watched and studied not just what motivates others, but what engages and impresses them to such a level that they say, wow. I've actually been a student of, stu- of human behavior my whole life, and I got a bachelor's of science degree in psychology, not just because I didn't know what I wanted to study, but because I really did want to study that and find out what makes people tick. Now, my financial resources at the time didn't allow me to pursue a further degree and go into that as my career, but my interest in not only helping others, but truly understanding them has never gone away. So... Here I am, many years later, putting that education and all my life experience to good use in a different way by helping others understand what motivates and inspires their team members and by showing them tangible, everyday, applicable actions that will help them accomplish that goal. And that really is the goal, to help us as leaders understand others and take a genuine interest in helping them succeed as we ask them to help us succeed. 
I think that's a key piece of the puzzle that many leaders forget, that it's really about understanding others and helping them succeed. And as I mentioned before, leadership is not easy, but it never has been easy. However, lately, we seem to be getting into more and more difficulty because on top of all the traditional leadership challenges that have always been there, we've now added a new challenge in the generational issues that confront us, right? I mean, four generations in the workplace working together are wreaking havoc at times with our teams. And some people are already looking ahead to the fifth generation. Now, the fifth generation means different things to different people. To some, it means what will happen in the future when there are five generations physically working side by side in the workplace. But to our marketing departments, the fifth generation represents the next generation who can be reached now via social media in order to help them view the company in a positive light or buy from them, refer them, maybe even work for them in the future. Our marketing departments are spending millions and millions of dollars developing videos, articles, posts, print ads, and closely controlling those messages to be sure the right messages are being disseminated. But if you think about it, there is now, and actually always has been, another generation, or two or three, that is already forming an opinion about us, our organizations, our leaders, our services, and it's happening every night around the dinner table and at gatherings of friends in restaurants, and even around the water cooler as our current employees talk about their experiences with us. So let me ask you, who is controlling those messages? Well, the only ones who even have a shot at controlling or at least influencing those messages is us as the leaders who are providing many of the experiences they're talking about. So what do we want them to say? What experiences do we want them to have? In other words, just as we talk about customer or maybe even patient outcomes, depending on our industry, when it comes to the services we provide, what employee outcomes do we want to achieve for the people we hire? Do we want to have them feel good about themselves and about working here with us, to be competent at their jobs, to treat our customers and each other with respect, to speak well of the organization? Well, yes, 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 and yes, right? So what stands in our way? What causes people to disengage? We need to figure this out because it's very costly if we don't. In fact, ask yourself, how much does it cost to replace an employee who has disengaged and gone elsewhere? Or to replace a great employee who leaves because they're tired of dealing with others who have disengaged and are poisoning that workplace, right? Between termination and separation costs, learning and gear up time, loss of productivity, expertise, loss of continuity, and broken relationships, think of the effect all of this has on both income and profits. And now, here's an even better question for you. What does it cost you not to replace an employee who disengages and stays? You think you have broken relationships when a good employee leaves? Well, think of how many more relationships can be broken by a disengaged employee who stays and poisons everyone around them. So, it is 
critically important to get our people engaged and keep them engaged. But that means we have to understand what makes them want to engage. And here again is an area where we often overcomplicate things, especially now when we can quote unquote blame it on generational issues. So many times I hear baby boomers and Gen Xers say, oh, these millennials, I just can't talk to them. They don't want to work. They think they're entitled to just come in here and make $100,000 without putting their time in to earn it. Well, then on the other hand, though, I hear from millennials that, oh, these old people are just dinosaurs. They need to just get out of the way and let us take over. They're useless. (laughs) For heaven's sake, these stereotypes are so not true on either side. Of course, there are always the examples that we can point to where it is true. But that is not on a widespread basis. And our inclination to paint everyone with the same brush is what gets us into more trouble than anything else. So can we all just agree to stop the stereotypes on both sides and just start looking at each other simply as people? Now, that said... There are differences in our generation, of course. We have many different things, including our energy levels. I often wonder how in the world I pulled those all-nighters in college, not necessarily studying, but working to put myself through school. But one of the biggest differences between our generations nowadays is our communication vehicles, which has changed our communication styles and abilities altogether. I mean, think about it. Way back, there was only one way to communicate, and that was face-to-face with everyone in the same room talking to each other. Well, then the telephone was invented, and we could still communicate with each other, but we didn't have to see each other. Well, that changed things a bit, but we still had the same impact because at least it was live and voice-to-voice. But then came voicemail, and things changed again because we could leave a voice message that someone could listen to later, not live. There was no back-and-forth discussion, but at least they could hear our discussion. And then that progressed to faxes, where we could leave written or typed messages for people, and they could read them miles away whenever they wanted. Now, fast forward to the age of the Internet, (laughs) when there is no voice, there is no paper, This is just a digital message that shows up as an email on someone else's computer miles and miles away. And then we come to texting where a digital message shows up on someone's phone. And then we come full circle because everyone is often back together in the same room but they're just not talking to each other. They're texting each other. I just love that commercial that was out a few years ago where it showed a group of friends all watching the same movie and texting each other about how great it was and, oh, did you see that? Here's what was happening. And then the camera pans out, and you see they're all in the same room, some on the same couch. Crazy. But that is One of the biggest differences between us now are communication preferences and styles and vehicles. But the thing to remember, though, is that none of that changes who we really are at heart. We are people. We are human beings. And we all want the same three things from other people. You know, 
There are three things that I'm going to tell you about when we come back from break that we all want from each other. But the fact is that unless we remember that we're all humans at heart, we all want to connect with each other. I mean, you see everybody in every single generation still reaching out to each other, still looking for that personal connection. In fact, it's showing up in our business places in ways we could never even imagine. Talk about marketing. We used to be able to do a lot of outbound marketing, and then we'd be able to put our advertisements on TV and radio, and we'd be able to have them everywhere. But now, what's happening? People want to connect with other people that they know, like, and trust so much that they are completely ignoring the things that we're putting out as the business owners because they don't necessarily trust that it's the truth. They've been burned too much in the past by what they thought was true. We all hear about the fake news, and we can apply that to fake advertising as well. No, now what they want to hear is a complete and total trusted person, often from their generation, who has experienced that kind of service or that service from that company. They want the recommendations. Do you know that over 70% of people will check out recommendations, evaluations, testimonials, etc. on websites before they'll try someone or something new. So that tells us the human connection is still there. The trust is still there. It has just transferred, though, from being able to listen to what a company has to say, and now it's moved over to what the people who have experienced that company have to say. That is a totally new thing, and everybody is grappling with that. Not only our marketing departments trying to figure out how to connect with people through the social media because they know that's where a lot of it is, but in our workplaces, we all see people who are engaged in different things. And then when they don't engage in the thing that we want them to engage in work, we ask ourselves, why? Why aren't they engaging? Why can't I get them to do what I need them to do? Well, again, we're overcomplicating it. And just as I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, there are three things that every single human being in the world wants. I'm going to share that with you when we come back from a short break so you can see just how easy it is to connect. So please stay tuned. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you sometimes find it challenging to inspire your team members to engage and contribute to your organization's success? Do your team members have trouble communicating across and even within generations? Leadership and Life is dedicated to helping you turn your workplace into a wow place by implementing everyday actions that inspire your teams to reach higher. Sandy Giroux, founder and CEO of Wow Place International, has over 30 years of leadership experience and offers deep insights to help leaders and team members build a bridge to understanding and improving the workplace experience. Her insights for leaders help them uncover blind spots and identify what they may be doing to inhibit employee engagement. Her insights for team members inspire them to go the extra mile to create wow experiences. Sandy has helped over 25,000 attendees in 125 companies activate a culture of wow. For more information, visit the wow place.com. 
Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio. Voice America Business Network. This is Leadership and Life. To reach Sandy Giroux or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to sandy at thewowplace.com. Now, back to Leadership and Life. Welcome back to Leadership and Life the show where our aim is to help you turn your workplace into a wow place by creating exceptional experiences for everyone in your organization and in your life. Before the break, we were talking about the fact that no matter what generation we're from, we are all still human and all want the same three things from other people. Well, here's what they are. We all want to feel valued, appreciated, and listened to. That's all we want. Some of us want these things to a greater degree than others, as usual. But that's the way it's always been anyway, hasn't it? Haven't we always wanted to feel valued, appreciated, and listened to? And those communication vehicle differences and style differences are the things that are tripping us up. But if we just remember that it doesn't matter how we communicate with people, let's find out how they want to be communicated with and how often and into what depth of detail, then we can find out how to value them, how to show them they're appreciated, and how to show them that we're listening to what they have to say. Because after all, that's why we hire them, isn't it? We don't hire them so that they can be yes men and yes women and just say, oh, yes, boss, I can do that. No, it's all about what they can do to help make us better while we help make them better. I'd like to share a story with you of just how easy it is to engage every generation when you keep these things in mind. A friend of mine recently retired from his job where he was a much beloved facilities manager with many locations spread out across a huge resort property. Now, his team was in charge of maintenance throughout the entire property. So every light bulb that needed changing, every repair that needed to be made, everything related to maintenance was his responsibility. Now, as a matter of necessity, his teams were growing younger and younger simply because they're the ones who could best keep up, especially in the heat of our Florida weather. Yes, I'm in sunny Orlando, Florida. And with many of the labor demands of that job in the heat, the workforce was getting younger. So he had a lot of millennial workers on his team. But... He had no problem engaging his workforce and getting them to go to the wall for him. Even that millennial generation that has many baby boomers and Gen Xers finding it difficult to engage. Because this baby boomer manager 
talked to them. He visited them even when he didn't need anything from them, just to say hello and see if they needed anything from him. Nice change, huh? Instead of asking for something from them, he asked if he could do anything for them. And because he cared about them and showed it, they cared about their jobs and showed it by doing their jobs exceptionally well. Because doing their jobs well is one way to demonstrate how much they cared for their leader in return, right? By doing a good job. That's always the barometer. Are they doing a good job for us? Let me tell you, we, there's an old saying out there that people do not leave companies. They leave people. And it's the same thing for when they stay and they engage. They do not stay and engage for a company. They stay and engage for the leader that they respect and admire and want to help. And why? It's a direct response of the respect they're receiving from that leader and the leader who shows that they respect, admire, and want them to do well. So... This man had no trouble at all engaging his millennial team. Now, when he retired, he was asked to train his replacement. And he told the new leader that his best piece of advice was to get to know the guys. Go out, meet them, visit with them once in a while just to say hello. They're a great group of guys and they'll go to the wall for you. And that's what he told the new leader. He left thinking his team was in good hands. However... A little less than a year later, he was hearing rumblings from the team because he had kept in touch with several of them over the months following his retirement. And then the new manager called and asked him, what's up with these guys? I thought you said they were great, but I can't get them to do anything I asked the first time. And usually I have to hound them to get them to do it. Well, guess what he heard from the guys? They said, well... He never comes out to see us or talk to us unless he needs something. And if he doesn't care about us, I'm sure you can finish that sentence, right? Why should we care about him? Boom. There it is. Same team members, same organization, same duties, different leader. And vastly different results. You see, because he didn't bother getting to know any of them as people first and employees second, the huge and correct, by the way, impression was that he didn't care about them. So why should they care about him? All he obviously cared about was what they could and would do for him and not what, if anything, he could ever do for them. Again, it came right back to all we want as human beings, to be valued, appreciated, and listened to. This new leader obviously didn't value them as human beings, or he never would have completely ignored them unless he had to hound them for something. And he obviously didn't appreciate their efforts because he never took even one minute of his time to talk to them get to know their capabilities enough to appreciate them or even thank them for what they did. And finally, how could he listen to them if the only time he ever contacted them was when it consisted of a one-way conversation with him telling them what he wanted them to do? 
See, the first leader had taken a personal interest in their welfare and success. The second leader, not so much. And this difference in the way the team was treated by the leader was perfectly reflected in their attitudes and commitment to him. Remember, the results that occur are often the ones that we create ourselves. So instead of putting the blame on those creating the results, we need to take a hard look at what results we're inspiring them to create with our actions and attitudes toward them. Now, I just mentioned that these feelings are more prevalent in more members of the younger generation than it used to be in the previous generations. I've even had leaders rail at the fact that we shouldn't be having to treat these team members the way they were treated at home. And what about teaching them basic things they should have learned at home but didn't? Well, the reality is that the family dynamic has changed and people aren't being taught the same level of self-reliance and working hard for any and all rewards that they used to be taught. But that's not true in every case. Again, don't generalize, but we are seeing several instances of people who have to learn things at work that some in previous generations have learned at home. But what I told that leader and others is this. When I was a top producing realtor, I worked very often with one particular attorney who gave me one of the best pieces of advice I've ever heard, and I've never forgotten it. We were talking about a grossly unfair situation one day, and I was railing about the injustice and unfairness of it all. Well, After about 10 minutes, he stopped me and said, Sandy, I don't make the laws. I just deal with them. Now, we can continue to talk and rail about how unfair this is and then find ourselves right back here at the end of it in the same position with no solutions in sight. Or we can just find a way to deal with it. Which do you want to do? Okay, fine. I hate it when people get logical on me. (laughs) But it was one of the best lessons I've ever learned. And things will always be unfair, unjust, just plain not right, and downright inconvenient. But we always have a choice of whether to rail at the situation or deal with it. Well, now I choose to deal with it. Well, okay, maybe I rail at it a little bit from time to time. After all, I'm only human. But then I get over myself quickly and deal with the situation because it's either that or quit. And for me, quitting is not an option. And by the way, while we're on the topic of having to deal with this situation, who do you think created it? The greatest generation raised the baby boomers who raised the Gen Xers and started feeling guilty about leaving them to go to work all day long. So they started putting more emphasis on material things to make up for the lack of their presence in the home. And then the Gen Xers raised the millennials, and in their desire to help them succeed even beyond where they themselves had gone, and also try to teach them to get a little bit of their life back, they started giving them much more in the way of praise, encouragement, and the you-can-do-anything-you-want attitude. And by the way, focus on your family, too. Now, Not that these are bad things. They're not. But they do show the progression of how we got here. And sometimes that things are taken to the extremes. It also shows that our focus when raising our children has shifted from the absolute need to work in hard scrabble times to absolute abilities that will get you wherever you want to go if you work hard enough 
to absolute dreams of a career that helps you make a difference in the world and also supports a lifestyle that includes more than just work. Well, that's where the millennials are today. And that's how they got here. But there's also one more factor to consider. Are vastly different experiences, especially in the workplace. Now, we grew up with the notion that if we went to school, got a job doing anything at all, and worked hard, we were pretty confident that it would lead us somewhere good in the future. I know I did that. Many of my friends and colleagues did it. But what is the experience of the millennials today? They often go to college, get hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, only to graduate and find out there are no jobs at the level they were promised, not only in school, but all throughout their lives by their parents. You can do anything, be anything, but they're expecting it instantly. And that would be difficult enough to accept if they thought they could just start somewhere like we did and be pretty much guaranteed that there was a light at the end of the tunnel. But think about it. What are these young people witnessing in their daily lives? They've grown up watching their parents do just that, start somewhere, climb the ladder, get somewhere, or try to get somewhere, and then they watch as their parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles give 10, 15, 20, even 30 years to a company only to what? Get laid off shortly before they're ready to retire? Or when new leadership comes into the company and changes direction, they just start getting rid of everybody and they lose their jobs after all that hard work and loyalty they've given to that company. So millennials are seeing what looks like an appalling lack of loyalty and progress and reward for all of their anticipated years of hard work. Now, of course, maturity and years of experience tell us, those of us who are older, that this is not true in every company or even in most companies. But it's happening often enough that this is what the younger people are seeing on too widespread a scale. And they are tired of hearing people say, you need to start at the bottom and work your way up and spend 20 years less just like I did. They're not going to wait 20 years. They've seen 10-year-old opera singers and 15-year-old millionaires who start you know, businesses in their garages and get somewhere young. They know they have something to contribute. But again, not all of them think they're going to make 100000 to start with, but they do want to know, where am I going? How far can I go with this company and with you? And will you help me build a life, a career, a skill set, something, rather than just asking me to give, give, give to you and not know where I'm going in return? So regardless of whether the company can help it or not, The fact is that many people are finding themselves suddenly unemployed and millennials are learning the lesson through their family members that they'd better take care of themselves and not rely on others, especially companies, to do it for them. So as a result, they're starting out a little suspicious and fearful of what's going to happen to them. And they insulate themselves in this cocoon of me first or me as well. And then what happens is, It looks like a lack of engagement, and that's the very thing that causes them to not have a future at good companies. So they're assuming the worst, the companies are assuming they're lazy, and it's a whole big assumption game that needs to stop. Just find out what they want, what they need, what are their goals, their aspirations, treat them as people first. See, if we're the true leaders we claim to be and want to be, 
We must understand the emotional state of our young people who can't be blamed for wanting to also take care of themselves while they're helping their company succeed. And we can deal with this reality and groom them and our organizations for future success. I mean, after all, it's not just younger workers who will benefit from this. It's also our companies and our older workers. Many companies are panicking now because they're looking at their succession plans and realizing they don't have enough leaders in the pipeline to keep the company healthy and growing. But recognizing great talent and grooming that talent from within is crucial for your growth. Who's going to take over when your older workers do decide to retire? Or when you open a new branch office or another location and you need leaders there, do you really want to be forced to try to hire from outside the company all the time and teach them absolutely everything when there could be great talent within your own company who already know your policies and procedures but just need a little grooming in the leadership area? And guess what? It's many of the baby boomers themselves who are holding things up because they're afraid of being replaced before they're ready to retire. So they resist and complain and stifle progress in an effort to protect their jobs. That's why it's up to us as leaders to let them know that they are safe and that they have a job with us for as long as they are effective and productive and want that job. In other words, as long as they're engaged in helping the organization succeed as well. In fact, that is wow place rule number one. A wow place is safe. Now, we'll be talking more about how this rule and all the others apply in our workplaces in the coming weeks. But the biggest thing to remember right now is that if you want to succeed in the future, you need to start laying the groundwork for that success now. And it begins with our future generations who are chomping at the bit to become meaningful and valued in their organizations. I mean, they joined you because they saw something in you that they connected with, that made them want to come there. Now, yes, sometimes it's just the job. It's just the paycheck. It's a stepping stone. But you can even get those people turned around and get them engaged if you show them how they can be meaningful, make a difference in your company right now. You know, I heard a great quote about our future generations once that goes like this. Children are 33% of our population and 100% of our future. So true. So make your wow place safe for every generation to know that if they work hard and help the organization and you as a leader succeed, you will also be dedicated to helping them succeed at the highest personal and professional levels as well. In fact, do you know what the number one factor that attracts people to a particular workplace is? Well, I'll tell you when we come back from a short break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. 
Do you sometimes find it challenging to inspire your team members to engage and contribute to your organization's success? Do your team members have trouble communicating across and even within generations? Leadership and Life is dedicated to helping you turn your workplace into a wow place by implementing everyday actions that inspire your teams to reach higher. Sandy Giroux, founder and CEO of Wow Place International, has over 30 years of leadership experience and offers deep insights to help leaders and team members build a bridge to understanding and improving the workplace experience. Her insights for leaders help them uncover blind spots and identify what they may be doing to inhibit employee engagement. Her insights for team members inspire them to go the extra mile to create wow experiences. Sandy has helped over 25,000 attendees in 125 companies activate a culture of wow. For more information, visit the wow place.com have you become a member yet sign up now to become a member of voice america it's always free and easy plus you get to take advantage of some great member benefits get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels keep track of your favorite episodes shows and hosts in your own customizable library find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites plus you get insider access with our newsletter membership gives you more sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network This is Leadership and Life. To reach Sandy Giroux or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to sandy at thewowplace.com. Now, back to Leadership and Life. And we're back. I'm Sandy Giroux, and before the break, I promise to reveal the number one factor that attracts people to a particular workplace. Have you been thinking about what you think it is? Well, here it is. It's the opportunity to develop a career path. Now, this absolutely reflects our team members' desire to take care of themselves and their careers while they're also taking care of us. It's funny, what I hear many times is that leaders are trepidatious about investing in their people and giving them training and coaching, especially at certain levels. They'll do the basic training that they feel must be done for the job, but anything over and above is considered unnecessary and often a waste of money. And they come back with things like this, well, what if I train them and then they leave? All that money would be wasted and I'll have to spend it all over again. Let me ask you a better question. What if you don't train them and they stay? <laughs> what kind of damage can they do without adequate training and development, personal development, to help them serve your customers and their coworkers to the highest levels? The winning philosophy is that the better I can help make you as an individual, the better you'll be able to help make our entire organization as a whole. Customers will be served better, sales will increase due to repeat business and word-of-mouth referrals, products will be made at a higher quality, and the workplace will be a more inspiring place to work, which will help you, in turn, attract and retain top talent. I can't think of a single thing that would not improve if leaders helped 
make people feel important and valued and enabled them to do the best job possible. And by helping them do a better job and feel better about everything that they do every day, we also send the message that we care about them as people and we care about their experience with us. In other words, we connect with them on a completely human level. When we do that, That's when we begin to eliminate the us versus them mentality that is so prevalent in our business climate nowadays. But it's very difficult to hate the big, bad corporate entity when it bears the human face of someone we care about and someone we know cares about us. Which brings me to another question. What is that very human face that we portray to the world? To put it in a different way, What is your emotional logo? We all have them, you know. But what is an emotional logo? I mean, we're very familiar with company logos, and and they're usually images and words that companies use to create recognition, evoke a positive emotion. Well, emotional logos work the same way. Our emotional logo is the image that leaps to people's minds instantly and unstoppably whenever they think of us. It's what we're known for. So here's a little exercise for you to do with me right now. Think of someone right now that you either love or hate dealing with. That got them in your mind? So when you think of them, you see their face in your mind. You hear their words. But most importantly, if their behavior is consistent and powerful enough, you get a feeling in your gut just thinking of them. And think of this. Think of Mother Teresa. What feeling does that evoke? Think of Adolf Hitler. What feeling does that evoke? Jim Carrey, Forrest Gump. You can see them, hear them. You smile at some, grimace at others, automatically and without thinking. So when you have someone who gives the impression of an Adolf Hitler or any other tyrant... What does it do to their leadership effectiveness when people feel that way about them? And what does it do to your leadership effectiveness if people have a kind of emotional logo or image of you that you're not sure that is out there? And the thing is that these impressions last. I had a boss over 30 years ago who was so bad that no one wanted to work with him. And I remember that he had a habit of whenever someone accidentally interrupted him when he was talking, he'd snap his head back, open his eyes really wide, and snap his lips together in a grimace that could melt the skin off your face just because he was interrupted. And he, he also had this annoying habit of calling people by just the first syllable of their first name. So I was San. My husband, Bruce, who worked there as well, was Brew. Sometimes a guy was just bro. You know, I know it's not nice, and I hate to tell you this, but I'm going to anyway because it makes the point. My family and I got into the habit of referring, him, referring to him as Brew Bro Bry. Not by his real name. Just Rubro Bry. And even just a couple of months ago, more than 30 years later, my daughter actually called me and told me a story because it reminded her of Rubro Bry. And she actually called him that. And she never even met him. So 
It lasts, folks. What is your emotional logo? Now, we don't have time today to delve into all the nuances of our emotional logos, but the point is that whether we intend to or not, we're giving people an impression of us every minute of every day by our actions, our words, our behaviors. In other words, we're establishing what we're known for, and we are all known for something. We can either let it be something that we unintentionally portray because we're unaware of our blind spots, or we can focus on that and be sure we know what that something is, something positive, something that inspires others to reach higher, to climb higher, to do more, and to be more. Be a leader. So we can be sure we know what that something is and intentionally create the emotional logo for which we wish to be remembered 5, 10, 30, 40 years from now. It all comes down to caring about others as much as we care about ourselves. And when we truly adopt a caring attitude, we don't have to worry about what our emotional logo is portraying because it'll be portraying the fact that we do care. And the one question that holds the secret to our effectiveness in business and, by the way, anywhere in life is this. How can I serve you better? If you remember nothing else from any of these episodes, please remember this question and ask it of your people often. How can I serve you better? See, too many leaders get this question backwards. And they think that because someone works for them, that someone is there solely to serve them. And it's true in part, they are there to help us and serve us. That's their job. But how do they do that to the best of their ability? It's by us serving them and making sure they have everything that they need to be successful in their jobs. They have the tools the knowledge, the training, the coaching, the access to someone who can answer questions. After all, why are most companies created? It's because someone had an idea that would help others, their intended customers, and they created an entire business around that one idea. And when we're hired or on or promoted, we expected to be able to do our jobs, right, and serve our customers by being given the tools and knowledge from those who hired us, to succeed in our jobs. Therefore, it's up to us, once we get into a position of leadership and authority, to not forget that and to serve our people to the best of our ability, allowing and inspiring to do their jobs with pride. The point is, if we don't serve as role models for higher service, how and why would our people ever care to do so? You want to know how to engage people? Be a role model for the behavior you wish to see in others. And show them how like them you really are, which makes it much easier for them to connect with you on a basic human level. Speaking of which, the next segment of our show is the surprise I mentioned at the beginning. And it represents one of the most basic human characteristics we all have in common. And one of my favorite topics, food. That's because we all have to eat, right? And also because I'm 100% Italian. I know Giroux does not sound Italian. That's my French-Canadian husband's last name. But my maiden name is Petorelli. And if that's not Italian, I don't know what is. Now, some folks follow the basic tenet that we eat to live. 
but as a full-blooded Italian, I feel it is my obligation and duty to follow its companion philosophy, so I live to eat. (laughs) I love to cook, and I love to eat, and so do most people I know. The fact is that no matter what our heritage is, when we talk about food, we connect with others on such a basic emotional level that it creates an instant bond. Food is an essential part of almost everything we do, from our work meetings to our daily gatherings to our cherished family traditions. Food plays a huge part in everything that we do, and we love to share our favorite foods with others. So, each week, I'll dedicate the last few minutes to sharing a favorite recipe of mine or my guests and a little bit about how you can enjoy it to the fullest, too. And now don't think that this segment is just for the women in the audience. Oh, no. I know lots of men who not only love to eat and share favorite foods and recipes, but who also like to cook. And you see a lot of male chefs nowadays, too. In fact, this trend is so prevalent that when I lived in Rhode Island years ago, my husband Bruce and I had so many friends where the man in the couple cooked, but the woman didn't, that Bruce turned to me one day and said, Sandy, I'm, I'm starting to feel like less of a man because I can't cook. <laughs> Too funny. But it just goes to show how many men connect on this level as well. And to prove this point, My executive director of this show, Robert Cirlino, who is half Italian and half Cajun French, when we were talking about the show a couple of weeks ago, promised to send me uh, some of his 100-year-old Cajun recipes that have been passed down from his ancestors who lived in the bayou. And one thing he told me is so hysterical, I have to share it with you now. He said that one of the recipes literally starts with, step one, skin and dress your raccoon. (laughs) Now, if I want to use it, I may have to update that recipe a bit and substitute raccoon with pork butt, (laughs) but we'll be posting some of his recipes online once we get them cleaned up as well. In the meantime, I'll share with you one of my recipes that represents a basic must-have dish. If you ever want to enjoy Italian food, and that's my tomato sauce, spaghetti sauce. By the way, many Italians don't call it sauce. They call it gravy. So if you hear an Italian say they want gravy, be sure you know which kind they're talking about because it may not be brown or white, it may be red. But whenever you cook anything, you have to start with the best ingredients. And for me, this means Italian plum tomatoes. Now, there are many brands ah, brands of plum tomatoes, but the absolute best ones are from the San Marzano region of Italy. And my favorite brand is Nina. N-I-N-A, tomatoes. Another really good brand is Cento. Now, it looks like Cento because it's spelled C-E-N-T-O, but it's pronounced Cento. Now, you can buy them canned and already peeled. However, they're whole, so you have to mill them. Now, this requires a food mill, which is a tool you use to squish the tomatoes and extract the juice from the membranes and whatever peels may be left there. It also extracts the seeds and keeps them from getting in the sauce, which is critical. Seeds add bitterness. That's why sometimes people think they have to add sugar, the dreaded sugar, to their sauce. But the best way to get rid of bitterness is not to let it in in the first place by keeping the seeds out. And please don't add tomato paste. If you start with good tomatoes, the rich, meaty, luscious ones from San Marzano, and you let it cook long enough, your sauce will be plenty thick. In fact, if you let it cook too long, it'll be too thick. 
So I traditionally make a meat-based sauce. I use sausage. You can use pork chops. You can also add meatballs as well. For me, the pork is what does it. But Because uh, I follow what Emeril Lagasse says, pork fat rules. Now, there are many kinds of sauce. My recipe is actually on my show page, so you can click on the link and get it there. That's the recipe I'm sharing this week, and you can tune in next week when I'll talk about another Italian recipe from my family. But right now, I'd like to bid you a fond farewell, and thank you for being here today. Next week, we'll dive deeper into wild place rule number one, a wild place is safe. As we set the stage to ask and answer the questions, are our employees trying to succeed or are they simply trying not to fail? There is a big difference between those two mindsets and it all comes down right from the top. So please join me, Sandy Giroux, as we explore how to create the employee outcomes we desire by focusing on the question, how can I serve you better and applying it to our workplace one wow place rule at a time. See you on the next episode of Leadership and Life. Thank you again for joining Sandy Giroux for Leadership and Life. Be sure to tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you again next week. again for listening to the preceding program.